Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Hello and welcome to the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and her, Rachel Gardner. How are you, Rachel? I'm good, thank you, Martin Saunders. I'm doing fine, actually, and I'm very much enjoying our little chit-chats before we interview the guest. You enjoy I feel, that? I feel that it puts my world to rights, actually. I've always been a bit nervous about whether we what? witter too oh, about, much. Oh, I see. And then, and, then I, and then I've spoken to a few people who are like, no, don't stop the waffling. Oh, really? And then they're quite backhanded about it because they see it is quite waffly and there's yes. no real point to it but we quite like it yes it so fills time we hold those things in tension if you've got a long car journey you don't want the podcast to be too short and i'm so with you on we that. are providing high quality filler i have very long car journeys in my life i know it's not good for the environment so i'm not saying it as a thing to be proud of but i do i now get my sat nav and think do i actually know where i'm going in this part of the country how many hours is this like a one loose stop or two loose stops? But then it's, what is the podcast? I listen to a few in a row and I want them to be at least an hour actually, Martin. Which oh. I know it's a bit controversial Gosh, because BBC Sounds is about yeah. 15 minutes long. And I'm like, no, for no, sake. No, 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 no. Oh, but give me some content. What do the BBC oh, know? Oh, what do they We've know? We've been doing this. We've been doing this since they were still doing it all through iPlayer. Yes, I mean, we are the Dons oh, and the Donesses you know Waffleush. The BBC, you know, it, yes. it's not a lie to say that we have been approached by at least one television network about doing a show together. <laughs> not maybe the BBC, maybe, but, but certainly we could teach them a thing or two. My feeling is that we should sometime just do it. Just you think we should fun. do it? We should do it in Crash and Burn. And then we could be the Richard and Judy of Christian oh, television. Hilarious. Hilarious. Yes, I tell you. Um, so, but anyway. Well, look, sec let me segue into a question. About youth ministry, hopefully. Uh, Rachel Garner, you're the author of many books. Oh, for goodness sake. And let so me see you. if I can uh, remember all of them. So Cherished, mm -hmm. the other one a bit like Cherished. That's Beloved. The same. Beloved. Uh, the Dating Dilemma. Mm -hmm. Rise. Rise. Oh, yeah. Oh, with Jason. Yes, that's Rise right. with Jason. <laughs> oh, <he laughs> got wings. That was a, a, an excellent... <laughs> There's many jokes. That was our there. marriage book. That yeah, one. exactly. Oh, I knew you were going there. Um, and the sex thing. Yes, and the girl deconstruction project. The girl deconstruction mm -hmm. project, and the other one. Isn't there another one? No. Oh, that's very, that's very like interesting. I, I am mulling over whether there is another one. Well, but I haven't. Here's my question: You've written all these I, books, but I've, could I could tell you what the title is? Though in my head, Go on. it's not going to be this. But I'd love to write a book called The Menopause Bureau. <laughs> Is that like a sort of your version of Richmond Os Richard uh, Osmond? I just like, at the moment, my head is there a lot. Wow. And I just love the word bureau. I just think it's but a great word. But are they a bunch of detectives who are experiencing the menopause? Basically, yes, that's it. But anyway, moving on. because that's Hollywood, like, <laughs> Hollywood will listen if you talk. Yeah, okay. So go on. So um, my question is, are there any lost Rachel Gardner books? Is there is there a book that you wanted to write, pitched, oh, wow. you know, that you never quite got round to, or that you thought, oh, I'd I'd love to do this, and that's no, to not about the menopause. Okay, All let's, right. let's just park that one. <laughs> yes, um, we're not there yet, and just and may basically 
you know, is there a book that you should have written or that you didn't write? I don't think so. There are books that I read that I think I would love to write a book like this. Yes, that's what you you wrote in the foreword to my book. Yes. You actually said, (laughs) I'm annoyed. I wish I'd written this. I wish I'd written this. She's really wonderfully centering yourself. Yes, I, I like to do that with forwards. No, there isn't. But I do read books and think I would really love to to have the confidence to say things and then, but I, I think the question always is why what gives any of us the right to think that others would want to hear our voice and I do think that is a question that for any of us that put things out there whether it's just a comment on TikTok or Instagram or or a book or anything it's it is that is an uncomfortable question isn't it why does my voice on this topic what does it add? oh my gosh you're in the second half of life aren't you <laughs> I, oh, I really am. I really am. So I feel that probably my books have kind of been come something that's come out of a live experience with yeah. young people yeah, because yeah. I kind of think that feels like something that I'm. I feel I have permission to to speak into. But are you gonna you you're, are you thinking about another one? I yeah I yeah I would ah. I I love thinking about the intersection of postmodern feminism and the gospel. I do like thinking about what does that look like for women, issues around power, around surrender, around authority. I think the menopause, we joke about it, but I um, absolutely, I'm so moved by how many, I think this is an interesting comment about youth ministry. So I think because youth ministry has been a thing for about 20, 25 years, I'm not the only woman that's that's aging in youth ministry and is now reaching, you know, we started youth ministry when we're still like 1920, we're still in that space we kind of have moved through the spaces around working out who we are, maybe having children, maybe having another job, relationships, and now moving into that space of my body's changing massively. Um, and it's coming at the same time as the big questions culturally about what women will look like and what our value is and all this kind of stuff. And and I think I'd love to, I'd love to write a book about menopause and youth work. <laughs> Wow, I, I think it's that's an quite niche. Space. That's quite a niche book. <laughs> I think me and three others would read it. I think yeah. it's it's definitely a winner. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm interested in in thinking about women's spaces and what that means for youth ministry. Well, I think you should write it. I think you should I'm write call it, it scandalous and, and see what happens. Yeah. Well, that's better than the menopause bureau. <laughs> uh, the, the challenge is always though, if you have a niche thing, how do you write about something in a way that a range a wide range of people would read so like yeah. your your football novels you no know. come on football novel <laughs> i didn't write a series of them oh have you got a series in you no absolutely well interestingly you should ask Rugby. me that uh I, uh I so i have i don't know if i've said this on the podcast before as always there's the caveat of have i forgotten i've already told this story but i have written um two <laughs> i've written a whole book it's just it's not the same book. So I've written a third of one book. Oh, And currently? I've written two thirds of another oh, book. Oh, wow. And then they're both sitting there on my hard drive, just screaming at me, Did saying, put finish me. Oh, my god. They goodness. definitely don't go are they, together. Are they completely not? There's no they're, they're completely unrelated. Oh, wow. The first one, um, I've written about a third of a book about ministry and innovation, which is, wow. uh, which is about kind of like the how we practically do think creatively in youth ministry, but all ministry really. It's called the spirit of innovation. Uh, you are about, you are revealing your hand yeah, here, yeah, yeah. sir. I'm about three and a half chapters in, four chapters into it. It's got exercises and activities. I haven't worked on it for about a year. Okay. I haven't touched it since about last May um, because um, the publisher that I 
I got approached okay. about it, decided they didn't want to do it. And I suddenly was like, oh, oh, maybe it's not a great idea. I think it is a good idea, but it's just sort of sitting there on my... The other thing, this will shock you, is I've written 65,000 words of a post-apocalyptic young adult novel. Yes, come on, this sounds great. But again, it sat there on my hard drive for ages. So I started it in lockdown. So that's a long time ago. I started it in about wow. June 2020. Wrote loads of it really quickly. Uh, was my sort of passion project for a while and then haven't touched it. In fact, the reason it's on my mind is because I wrote, for the first time, I wrote about 500 words more of it yesterday. Wow. So I just got it out of the drawer. But man, it's hard to resurrect something like that. So I've got these two unfinished books. Do they feel like unfinished little figures well, hanging yeah, over you? they like, do. Come on, finish yeah. us. But I can't. I feel all blocked. I feel that we should announce that at Satellites, everyone's going to get a free copy of an apocalyptic <laughs> book. My apocalyptic. <laughs> post-apocalyptic. There's such a thing as post-apocalyptic. So it's well, not there a isn't thing, really, but is there? It's a, it's, I tell you what it is. It's, it's the other thing. What do they call it? Dystopian. Thank you, producer Ooh. Charles. Dystopian. Dystopian. Dystopian young adult novel. I think novel. you should write this. I think you should write it I now. should write that word down so I don't forget yes. it. Yes. You should write this novel. Dysto- and you can well, I have written see, it. Well, I've written loads of it. it. It's nearly finish done. this novel. Finish it. My characters are all stuck in the middle of space. Oh, no. Yeah, sci-fi, though. It's sci-fi. You wouldn't like it. To bring them. I, hey, hey, hey. Back in your box, Saunders. I do like some sci-fi. Do you? As long as it's an actual human experience in it. What I struggle with is a sci-fi that thinks that somehow in the future we're not going to be flesh and blood and have the same questions. I want I want, I want, want it sci-fi that really thrashes out human oh. emotion and relationships. Well, look, it's, I've it suddenly realised I'm, I'm more into space than I thought I was because we've got a, a space-themed novel and a space-themed youth festival. I didn't mean it. Anyway, it's unfinished. That's amazing. It's an unfinished symphony. So, um, there we go. I think that's a great example of how our podcast is incredibly non-waffly and Very, Mirandry. very waffly. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. And we've revealed our hands to these books that we might or we might not write. The I Menopause mean, Bureau coming soon. <laughs> well, st- stay with me, Martin. It does kind of connect in with our talk today because I think this is post a post feminist age you know girls are encouraged to do all sorts of things there's no ceiling over what they can do and yet are still operating in an age of quite sort of toxic misogyny sexism and where those ideas creep into christian culture and youth work culture so what is or isn't acceptable for a girl to wear as opposed to what is or isn't acceptable for a boy to wear and how we still often have these unspoken double standards around behavior and etiquette and what girls where and the purity culture that still is creeping around in our youth ministry sometimes so we tackle that today yeah so you are talking to our guest who is katie madden i'm gonna just i'm gonna introduce and then leave the room because it's a strange reversal of a prophet has no honor in his own land so katie and i know each other very well katie's one of the hosts at satellites the reason why she's one of the hosts at satellites in the summer is because i know her really well she was involved in the youth ministry um, that i've been looking after for the last five years she came through the youth group although i was never actually her youth worker um and i've ne- honestly never met anyone who loves jesus so much oh, wow. I, and that's the thing i've always said about her from from kind of meeting her really at sort of 16 is i just can't believe how much you love jesus i mean you really really do and it defines her life in the most profound way. So everything she says comes out of a rooting in this profound and genuine relationship with God, which I want 
more. I, I want a relationship with God like Katie has. I want to love Jesus like Katie does. Um, and so that's why we put her in front of young people because um, I've seen her on a local level. When she speaks, young people listen. They stop and they go, this person speaks as one with authority. Wow, fantastic. And so you'll find that as you speak to her today. Youth workers often tell us they're starved, really meaty stuff where you get to think not just about what you're going to do next week in your youth group, but when you have a chance to explore the why. What are the big challenges in culture and how do we in the church respond? If we don't think about that stuff, we're in danger of just repeating the same old material but with less impact as young people's world changes. And that's why five years ago, Youthscape teamed up with St. Melitus College to launch the Youthscape St. Melitus Annual Lecture. It's a free evening event where you'll get the deepest and latest thinking about young people and youth work. On the evening of May the 15th this year, we're holding the 2023 lecture. And guess what? You're invited to come in person to St. Melitus College in London or to listen online all for free. Chloe Combi is one of the UK's most admired broadcasters after her award-winning podcast released during lockdown, You Don't Know Me, in which she interviews young people about the issues that matter most to them. Their startlingly honest words about everything, from gender to education, challenged our assumptions about teenagers and what they really believe. In this year's lecture on May the 15th, Chloe will be sharing her latest findings alongside Chris Russell. We'll be exploring their implications for Christian youth ministry. It's your chance to get some really deep insights that take you beyond what game to run next week and help you to step back and see the bigger trends emerging. So there are two ways you can attend and both need you to register in advance on the Youthscape website. If you come in person to St. Melitus College, you'll get a glass of wine, a goodie bag and a free download of the lecture audio and video to be able to listen again afterwards. If you can't get to London, you can listen online, but you'll also need to register in advance at youthscape.co.uk forward slash lecture. That's youthscape.co.uk forward slash lecture. Tickets are available now to take your chance to get some really meaty thinking about young people and youth work. Unless you're a vegetarian. In which case you'll get some meat-free corn thinking. Does that work? I'm not really sure. Anyway, see you guys on the 15th. start by you telling us a little bit about the different places that you've lived because I I have a little bit of like location envy when I hear you talk about where you've lived in your very young life so go for it yeah um I have the immense privilege and joy of having three homes coming from three different countries and having lived quite a significant part of my life in all of them so I was born in Jerusalem um a Palestinian from East Jerusalem and uh, then I'm also a Jordanian citizen and a British citizen so I've lived across those three lovely wonderful places um for yeah the course of my life oh my goodness and you are very you're in your early 20s now I am you? so is there is there one of those three that resonates more with you at different times do you feel there's like a location that you're like oh actually you know, I'm most at home when I'm in you know, the West Bank or in Jordan or in or in Rygate. Where does home oh, feel like for you? I think it, I think it is Jerusalem. That city is where I've lived most of my life. Um, we're just tipping over now that it's no longer the majority, which makes me really sad. But um, that's always going to be home. I think all of my early childhood was there, and I've lived there as an adult as well. So that is definitely yeah, Jerusalem's home. So, what's it like? What was it like for you growing up as a young Christian woman in Jerusalem? I mean, incredible. I had such a wonderful childhood. I'm so grateful. Um, and it's really all 
my parents and the wonderful community we have around us. Um, yeah, I was very, um, without going too much into it, <laughs> into the kind of vast political landscape, um, I was very, very privileged in the way that I was raised and in the culture that I was raised within, which was so um, inclusive and uh, broad and sort of friends from every end of the spectrum and every corner of um, that society, uh, which obviously Jerusalem is, it's such a beautiful, diverse place. And um, yeah, so actually I feel like I had just this wonderful, sheltered, very love-filled childhood. So that's something I'm very grateful for. As you sort of, from this vantage point in life and, and look back at your childhood and look back at your teenage years in particular, what what were you um, wrestling with most when it came to your faith? How were you exploring faith? I guess you were brought up within a Christian family and that wider community you're talking about are a Christian community, yeah. were they, that you're thinking of? How, how, what was your wrestle with faith looking like for you in your teenage years? Wow. Um, I guess so much of it was around identity. I think when you come from more than one place um, and when the people around you are very conscious not to just speak one thing over you, then um, that is a gift, but it does leave you going, oh, who, who actually am I? And where do I, you know, where does God see me? Where does he place me in this world? Um, and, you know, and just kind of wrestling with actually, it, it's hard. I love coming from multiple cultures and I love kind of having all of that complexity within me, but it's um, it's definitely difficult to sometimes reconcile those differences with one another it's fast absolutely fascinating um i have family that live in um jerusalem well dis- distant family that live in jerusalem another family that live in austria and so i i myself are not sort of sort of facing coming from multiple different cultures but it's interesting to think i wonder what that that the, the big space that opens up inside you as you say of, of inclusion of welcome of working out who you are in yeah. this incredible space I mean, I, I did say that I would probably very clunkily <laughs> link us from this conversation to what I wanted to talk about in terms of challenges around youth ministry. But I guess um, you're a young woman growing up in Jerusalem, yeah. different cultures. And I guess historically, what women wear, how women dress, mm. how women are perceived is something that women have had to deal with in every era of life. Is that something that you found as a young Christian woman in Jerusalem, that the issues around clothing and what to wear, what not? Was that something that, before we talk about how we handle this in our youth ministry, like, have you got your own sort of lived experience of working yeah. out how to express yourself with what you're wearing? Definitely. So my teenage years were primarily spent actually in Jordan. And a lot of that was connected to this um, beautiful international community. I say beautiful, very complex and quite messy. But um but this international community, I was part of an international school with an American influence, and it was definitely connected to like more of the American missional churches, um, as well as our kind of local Jordanian congregation. So I had this kind of dual church and faith experience of like that missional Christian circle, and then that also that local Jordanian context and our church family um, locally. So it was, yeah, my actually most of my struggles or most of my kind of story around oh, all of the kind of complexities and um, struggles around uh, modesty as a hot topic actually came within the, from within the international community more than they came from within the Jordanian community, which I think is might be surprising to a lot of people and potentially kind of shines a light on some of our assumptions um, that we kind of 
moved through life with. Um, but yes, I this was an international community that had a very strong influence from a kind of particular brand of American conservatism. And um, and that's actually where a lot of my story kind of got a bit interesting. <laughs> so what, what was, I mean, that's a brilliant challenge that you said that actually sometimes we might perceive that a culture like living in in Jordan might have some very strict clothing rules, but actually as a young woman growing up in that community, it was the international Christian community that came from sort of evangelical American roots that presented more strict rules. Mm-hmm. So how, how were those rules expressed? How was that kind of, this is how you do it? How was that enforced or expressed or communicated? Well, there are a couple of occasions that kind of spring to mind. So, um, our school used to do like school dances and that way it was very American. Um, and we, I think all the girls did dress quite modestly, certainly by my current standards. Um, but I do remember this one occasion where we had a school dance and the head had sent out, the like head teacher had sent out an email beforehand to all parents saying that, um, they were enforcing a stricter dress code. And that any girls who did not abide by a certain length of skirt would not be allowed in to the dance. And she, I remember like day of, I was at a friend's house, we were getting ready, having a great time. And one of the girls who was already at the school, kind of setting up decorations and all that kind of stuff, texted us and said, guys, she's standing at the gate with a ruler. And as we walked in, every girl's hemline was measured. (laughs) Um, And some girls were sent away. so it kind of it did spark this like amazing sort of feminist revolution within our school, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, that was kind of one very um, formational incident. And then also in youth group, I do remember being sat down. I can't actually remember if it was by a female leader or a male leader, but essentially kind of almost in a very blasé way, just being told like, listen, girls, like again, quite a clunky segue <laughs> from whatever we must have been talking about in youth group that day. Um, to be told, you know what, girls, we really, we do want to just, we want to help our brothers in Christ. They really love throwing that one around, don't they, brothers in Christ? We don't want to be a source of temptation to them. Um, we just want to be really conscious of how we dress. So um, we're just kind of setting these new rules now that at youth group, it's no leggings and no skinny jeans. And this was like 2014. All I owned was skinny jeans. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. you must own the skinny jeans and leggings. I think. Oh my goodness! So, so can you remember how how you girls accepted that? Like how how you took that on? Was there a sense of pushback, or was it just like, well, that old people are saying it, so it must be true? Do you remember what happened? I think we were quite. I would say we were quite um, well informed at that point. We were. I mean, Gen Z, we were like, we already had the internet and everything that it had to tell us about um, who we were and what our rights were. And although that was really disconnected from faith, I think that actually spoke to us more about our worth than our youth leaders did, which is so sad to think about in hindsight. But um, we gained more of our sense of value and actually getting rid of a lot of like the baggage around body image and shame and um all of that stuff through the very sort of secular narrative that we were getting on social media more than actually the people that were there to disample us absolutely and at the moment and I think you know some of us listening to this might have shared that experience you've told some of us might have been in situations where unwittingly we were the ones 
in an attempt to help young people mm-hmm. actually ended up body shaming or, you know, the double standards where the boys are not getting sent a letter saying we're going to measure something or check something. It's just generally goes to girls. Yeah. So then you found yourself back in the UK, a very different context, both in terms of the Christian church, but also culturally and what was um, yeah, accepted or not accepted. Did you find similar boundaries or similar messaging to girls in a Christian context? What, what were you encountering when you came to the UK? I mean, I'd, I'd spent summers coming to the UK um, to visit family here, but there was such a, a very clear culture shock actually living here and being a young person in education. By the time I came here, I was in sixth form. Um, and I did, I did find so much of the messaging different. I mean, even being told at sixth form, like, listen, there's no, obviously there's no uniform, but the rules are kind of like just dress semi-professionally like think about how you what you would wear to a job and like day one I was in class and like one girl is in a sports bra and another girl is in her fish nets and I was like wow I'm, I'm wow. okay <laughs> this is a very broad understanding of what we would wear to a job but do you know what it's hot outside you do you um yeah there was definitely a, a kind of a very stark difference um but I actually can't say that I ever remember a conversation about clothing happening in a youth setting until I was a youth leader wow right okay let's get stuck into it then because um I I suppose a question I'd love us to think about even to start off with is is what young people wear is that that feels like in the past that was really pressy and like 20 years ago I remember being at summer youth festivals and having male youth leaders say to me can you come and talk to my youth group because the girls are all wearing really short shorts I don't know what to say Mm. I feel that over the years those questions have kind of gone on the down low really um but but what is clothing a space that Christian youth workers need to speak into like what is your hunch with that there are bigger fish to fry of course but is is that a space that we need to be thinking about helping people think about what they wear and if we do how do we approach it so what's your little gut reaction to that yeah I think it's um oh it's I mean it's complex isn't it I think that it's something we have to be very wary of kind of isolating away from our like really just our like primary responsibility to young people and especially young people that we're discipling um versus young people that we're maybe just welcoming into a space to see what they think about it young people who don't know what they believe yet um and the truth is that children's bodies are just so policed aren't they like I remember coming here and just um, like understanding some of the culture around school uniform and I was like this sounds crazy I mean I can understand some of the heart behind let's just keep everyone on the same level but being told to take out your piercings being told to have not have any logos on your shoes it was just so fascinating to me how much children's bodies are kind of policed um and especially girls bodies and the truth is we might want to simplify it and just say listen these are our values this kind of clothing is is what kind of meets that standard but the reality is that there is nothing more complicated and kind of more dangerous or sensitive ground than it's, than talking to young women about their bodies. Um, Absolutely. And so I, you know, my I've, I've actually been reflecting on this a lot, thinking about discussing this. So I was like, oh, am I, am I sure where I land? Um, and I think, I think the reality is I, my instinct is actually to question the question and to go, okay why are we why are we asking this why do we care about 
what children wear do we have is it kind of is it connected to like young people's discipleship so people who've said yes to jesus um they know they want to follow him they want to be obedient to his word um or is it actually oh the church is a certain space and we want to maintain a standard in this space a standard of modesty which again is such a um a vague term um or, or or you know actually is there kind of a bit of a culture of shame underneath all of this um of saying that there's something wrong or shameful about your body um and that's why god doesn't want to see it so cover it up in church because god doesn't want to see it and therefore we shouldn't want to see it um yeah. I love how you question the question. That is such a good skill, isn't it, for anything to think, why are we asking mm. that? What are those assumptions behind it that need to be challenged? And I love your question. Is this because essentially we're coming at it from a point of view of shame? So we need to stop young people doing something that, that we think, well, that makes us feel uncomfortable or makes other adults in church feel uncomfortable or belies the fact that we're not quite sure what God does with bodies and particularly girls' bodies when they're developing and that feels a bit awkward. And so you're absolutely right. Or is this a kind of, does is behind this a desire for this young person to grow? And in a deeply trusting and safe and nurturing relationship, um, conversations can be had about things around how you express who you are, the truth of who you yeah. are um, and the freedom in that. The interesting thing for me is I've, gone through different sort of youth work environments where I've worked with groups of young people who um, have maybe the finance to be able to buy nice clothing or maybe have a kind of a perception that they need to look in a certain way and so might dress to look more like Instagram kind of worthy posts. The girls I work with at the moment are in full-on you know shell suits, sportswear, all the time yeah. and actually I, I would love to see them break out of that and just go a bit wild and you know <laughs> I would totally applaud them if they all rocked up in skinny jeans and something, something different that isn't sort of androgynous sportswear I know why they're wearing the androgynous mm. sportswear for a variety of factors um, but it'd be, but for me I think it's when they start being outrageous and reckless I think wow now they've got a sense of who they are so you said that you didn't really encounter these conversations until you came into a kind of a youth leader type setting. Talk to us about that. What was that looking like then? What were those conversations like? Yeah, so I I can actually, I can remember only really one incident where I took note of what a young person was wearing in the sense of like, oh, should we make a comment? I don't know. And it was, it was literally because this girl had come in with her school skirt, her school uniform skirt, rolled up so high that I actually could see her underwear. <laughs> and, yeah. And I just thought, okay, everyone's going to be sitting on the ground. Um, and I feel like there's just a baseline of like legal propriety in a space where we are safeguarded adults here to, you know, uh, interact appropriately with young people. And um, unless it's in the case of a medical emergency, um, I don't think I should be sitting under there. So um, that was kind of the one thing that I encountered. And then I do remember another talk given by um some other members of our team in a youth work setting actually talking about relationships and one of the discussion questions given to the youth groups uh sorry the the breakout groups um from that talk was around girls and how they dress and that really rubbed me up the wrong way and um 
and you know the person that was supervising at the time also it did not sit well with them because it was being spoken about in the context of male sexuality and girls um editing or i'm trying to think of what the right word is but um being conscious of how they dress because of the male gaze um and that was a very hard line no for me because i think you know that's if we're, if we're talking about this in the lens of what god wants for us being obedient to god god's best there is not one verse in the bible that talks about women's modesty for the sake of the male gaze um, there are a lot of verses that talk about the lustful male gaze and how sinful that is, um, or just the lustful gaze in general. There's a lot of verses about causing children to sin or sinning against children and how seriously God takes that. Um, but there are not any verses about women dressing modestly for the sake of their gaze. And so that was a that was a hard line there for me. Yes, absolutely. And being able to air that. And I think being able to talk as a team about this stuff is helpful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And there are times when the best person in the room to talk with a young person, male or female or non-binary, about aspects of what they're wearing and what that might be, um, the vulnerabilities that might be leading them into. It might be someone of the same sex, same gender. It might not be, you know, and think actually there's a variety of ways these conversations can happen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this person chatting with a whole group and inadvertently isolating and shaming the one young person that's maybe <laughs> ticking all the boxes of the things you say you shouldn't talk with. So you've mentioned the word modesty a few times. In other um, episodes, we talk about purity and, and, and can are these words that can be reclaimed? I suppose mm. is a good question, isn't it? Um, and, you know, so what's, you are a lot, 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 lot younger than me. How do you feel that your generation and below understand the concept of modesty or that as a word is it has it has enough time gone now that that word can be reclaimed as something quite empowering and with a lot of autonomy a young person is choosing behavior or clothing that expresses values about how they want to do their relationships and do you, do you feel that's a word that can be reclaimed I think so I I, I recognize that this is I'm quite subjective in this sense because of my cultural background modesty is a, a word that gets thrown around a lot specifically in connection with culture and religion, specifically in connection with Muslim religion. A lot of the use of the word modesty that I see nowadays on social media is connected with Muslim hijabi influencers talking about modest fashion. Um, there's whole lines of, of modest fashion now that major really labels big, are releasing yeah. um, in order to cater for that very large population, and rightly so. Um, I, I don't hear it bounced around a lot as a word nowadays. And I have to say, when I... I asked a friend actually last night, I was around for dinner and I said, if you had to talk, if, like if you had to just talk about your experience with the word modesty or with teaching about modesty as a young person, um, what would you say? And she said, no, see, I didn't really grow up in a shamey environment. And I was like, that's so interesting that that's the first place that your mind goes. That's still actually the connection with that word. Um is is body shaming or shaming for like your choice of um clothes or self-expression i hope it can be reclaimed but i think we have to do the really hard work sometimes when we talk about words being reclaimed we're like can we just start using it again <laughs> yes, yes and actually i think we need to do the really hard work of examining um the history and the kind of what that inheritance is um for this generation of christians and and really unpick it and kind of do the hard stuff of some people having to stand up and admit like we messed up we did something wrong and we shaped young people tragically in a way that was not biblical and 
um, and that actually could have damaged their self-image or their faith in their kind of view of God. So I think it can be reclaimed, but I think there's probably a lot of work to do before we get. So as well as talking about sort of understanding your assumptions, the reason for asking the question, what what other thoughts, advice maybe would you give to youth leaders who they want to have a conversation with some young people around self-expression or around fashion or around mm. um, or that, that doesn't feel like it's shame laden, um, that feels safe for the young person. What, what would be some of your thoughts around how that could happen? I think um, I think what's really important is that you decide this is like a value that we really want to instill in our young people. This is something that we want to become part of our culture as a youth group. It needs to be, be done preemptively and not reactively um, because young people are not stupid. <laughs> they know, oh, so-and-so came in super short shorts last week and this week we're having to talk about modesty. Um, they know that. And I think it's actually a much, it's it's wise to address it in a much wider context of, self-image of body image um and of just and actually just what god says about that because i think that um where we each land and you and i will have different ideas about what modesty means right everyone will um but where we each land with our own personal conviction around modesty is it's so personal right and when it's done in a healthy way it's usually done out of a response of this is what i believe god is saying and i willingly want to be obedient to that and I willingly want to honour that um, and I think we can let's have a bit more respect for young people and, and know that in their own discipleship like they can reach these points they can have these personal convictions we don't need to be prescriptive with that so actually can we have wider conversations with them around what God says about you what God says about your body um, and and just and, and maybe even talk a bit about like we never want you to feel like you have to God never wants you to feel like you have to dress a certain way or do anything certainly around attention because when you have that secure identity in God then you aren't doing things for human attention and so you can just be true and listen if your conviction is that it's fine for you to have a short hemline and that's you know that's between you and God that's great it might be around having a discussion just around like I said earlier legal issues maybe in a youth work setting around if you're around grown-ups that aren't the parents then there's there's actually legally they're not allowed to see some parts of you um but um but actually just really empowering young people to be able to make that have that personal conviction in their relationship with Jesus I think that's such a healthy way of doing it that's so fabulous and I know people have loved listening to you um and for those that came in the summer to satellites you probably saw Katie um keeping Martin Saunders in line sweating so not days, making I think sure. it was <laughs> not making, I mean he was wearing shorts so I do feel when he's talking to him about modesty <laughs> really, the sake the sake of future campus um but you're going to be uh, hosting again alongside others of the team yeah. and speaking at satellites what's when, when you stand there, I mean, that, that's extraordinary, isn't it? Standing in front of a few thousand young people. What's going through your mind? Because you, you did some, you led some prayer ministry times just so powerfully. You know, you're not much older than some of the young people in the room. Um, and yet you're sort of standing there with such wonderful spiritual authority and such a deep, quick, compassionate insight to what the Holy Spirit's doing. It was really, really wonderful to see. What's going through your head? What's your prayer when you stand there in front of young people? I mean, it felt like a very big youth group, which was the best thing. It's just amazing. It's like 
it's how I feel standing up to talk to my young people every week, but there's just more of them. Um, and that was really beautiful, actually, that it, it did feel like such a youth group environment, which is so much the heart of satellites as um, an event for youth groups. Um, my prayer is just that oh, they would see God and be amazed by him. That's all that we want to do is just try not to get in the way and maybe help clear away some of the stuff that is getting in the way. Um, but I mean, I just felt I felt so incredibly humbled and privileged to just have that view. It's such a great view of God doing his thing. And there were times where I was like, I I don't want to be on the stage because this is not about me making myself visible, but I will just sort of peer over the stairs <laughs> because I just love watching young people encounter God. And um, the temptation is definitely there when you see your young people like chatting <laughs> all about. Um, and then remember there are actually quite a few other people around. But um, but no, it was I mean, just so wonderful to see Jesus do his thing see jesus do his thing i love that that is it that in any the drive for any conversation is that we want to see young people encounter jesus and just let him do his thing mm. and often jesus wants to do something on the thing that we've not picked up on but he's already picked up on so absolutely thank you katie so much people might not be aware of this but halfway through i had to leave katie <laughs> and go and find my power charger in the car, which is like right at the bottom of Eastgate, boot there, just run all the way down, get my charger, run all the way back up. So I'm um, sorry for the heavy laboured breathing at some point. That's absolutely. Katie, we love you. We'll see you in the summer. Oh, thank, thank you so, you so much. Always see everyone in the summer. <laughs> Great interview. Well done. I couldn't do that one. No. I'm a bit close. I mean, I almost couldn't do it because halfway through I had to say, Katie, hold. So I did it over online. Katie, hold that thought. I'd left my power cable in the car. Uh, it was all just going terribly wrong. So bless Katie. <laughs> this interview, she was stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. She said a very interesting thing, which I thought was just, oh, we could dine out on that for a bit. Because I sort of said to her, so, you know, should we be having these conversations with young people about clothing and that kind of stuff? And she and she rightly came back to me and said, well, we should ask questions really about the questions we want that we're asking. Like, is, is that, what does that reveal about what's really going on for us? And I think the clothing modesty one is a brilliant example of sometimes as a youth worker, I don't analyze enough what's going on. And, and, and if I was, I'd think, do you know, the reason I want to chat to that girl is I think that if a church member walked in, they might have an issue. So I'm not going to talk to because actually that's more about me and that person and not that and I think that's that how, how do you create time for ref, reflecting on your youth ministry basically on your what you do it's so important to do that yeah. like reflecting on your practice yeah I think if we don't keep reminding ourselves of what a central skill and not just skill like vital part of youth ministry that is it's the first thing to fall by the wayside mm. We created a little journal uh, at Youthscape a couple of years ago called Listen In. Oh, that was very uh, good, actually. Worth yes, it of, is. That's actually, a good shout. Because it's got 40 theological reflection exercises. I wasn't planning to do a plug, but I just remember. That's a good um, But that's, uh, that, that's really good. But I think anything that is a sort of intentional theological reflection tool, whether that's simply doing an exam on it for every day with your youth ministry or actually having some exercise that you work through, Really, really good idea, because if you don't build in time to ask 
why, you know, why did that happen in that moment? Why did I respond like that? Mm. Why or why am I, I feeling that yeah. I need to address that thing yeah. in you, a young person's life? Po- it goes so fast. Yeah. You've got so many lives that you're interacting with. You just forget. Yes. If you're anything like me, I forget. I mean, I've forgotten yes. what the start of this sentence was. So, you know, I think... I think <laughs> quick you, examine. You, yeah, you yes. forget very quickly. No, absolutely. I mean, she... And I thought... She was oh, she was absolutely brilliant. I know that she's been in your youth group and you, she's a, she works alongside you in youth ministry. And you must be so incredibly proud of her. I'm, I'm going to say that because you wouldn't want to sound paternalistic. But um, I I sat listening to her thinking, God, you're an incredible example of someone who is a really reflective practitioner. Mm-hmm. Like you think a lot, you think deeply about Jesus. You think deeply about these young people. You think deeply about how they might experience this. And she made this killer comment where she said, being challenged on what she was wearing, you know, in, in her adolescent years, that communicated more to her about her self-worth than anything else any of these youth workers had ever said to her about what Jesus said. So that one unexamined comment yeah. of a youth leader that probably was incredibly well-meaning, probably, and I know I've done it, actually catapulted her into a really unhelpful direction of thinking about her self-worth her body image and I think it's, it's for reasons like that that we need to stop and examine because then if we do think this is worth challenging we, we go into that space knowing that our motives are good and our way of seeking to do this is for this young person to grow not to be shamed not to make other people feel better or less uncomfortable not to protect boys you know self-control but actually we want this young person themselves to grow and right now this could be an area that could could help that i thought she was fantastic you know something i should tell you about katie um is she's been involved in our youth ministry for a long time but for various reasons uh, has moved away geographically from where we live and she's in one of those annoying places where if she had a car it'd take us a half an hour to get to where oh. we are but because she has to to get a train she has one of those things just to get a train into london to get a train out of london even though the the places oh, are quite close yeah. to each other and uh, and so for most people, me included, I'd be like, that's my moment to step out of the youth ministry. And no, she just gets the train every week. She commutes an hour and a half to us and she does youth group and then she commutes an hour and a half the other way. Is that that may be the longest volunteer and commute I've ever heard of in youth mm. ministry, you know, to do an hour and a half each way every week mm. to come and volunteer to that's be with these young people. Boy. And she's doing it because she loves those kids and she's journeyed with them to a point where she's like, I don't want to stop just yes. because it's an hour and a half way. Now, without being, oh my gosh, I can get into all sorts of trouble saying this, but I think this, she brings a different cultural lens to things, mm-hmm. which means she just sees things like time and travel and distance slightly differently to me. Mm-hmm. She's often like, she's she will often say to me on a variety of things, it's a very English way of looking at things. <laughs> um, and because of her kind of Middle Eastern upbringing yes, and background, she, she just brings some maturity, some wisdom that is not, not from this not really available here. quite dysfunctional culture that we live yes, in. So yes. one of those things is she's just deeply committed to these relationships and these people in a way that she's like, well, fine, it just takes three hours out of my day to do that. But I am looking through a lens of productivity where I'm like, I can't possibly give up three hours to travel yes. here and, and back every every week. So I think that's a wonderful thing about her. She is wonderful. She is therefore, and for many reasons, uh, she's one of the hosts at Satellite. I know we talked about that and she's very excited about that. So she was brilliant last summer. Yeah, she was absolutely brilliant. And we're, we're hoping that she'll be doing more and you'll be able to hear her voice more because there's so many great things. I think that young women and young men would just like want to sit at her feet and sort of chat with her about. So make sure you get yourself to Satellite. Oh, yeah, you should do that. Young people. You should come to Satellites. Come to We'd love Satellites. to have you. In Shepton, Malay. Shepton, Malay. 
as we That's discovered. Quite, I actually quite like that now. I, I, I sort of laughed at the locals calling it Shepton Mallet. And now I'm like, I, I'm with them on it. Yeah. Shepton Mallet. It's classy, isn't it? Shepton Mallet is, yeah, Shepton Mallet. If that's what they want, that's what we'll do. So, yeah, if you want to find out a bit more about satellites, uh, the website is wearesatellites.com. Um, you can get yourself booked in. You can find out all about um, the lineup for this year and the program. You can also volunteer to be on team if you'd like to be on team, if you can't bring young people. Um, but we'd love to have you really excited about satellites this summer. Gosh, what a wide-ranging episode. What a wide-ranging. And to see us out, we have yet another wonderful unsung hero. Hi, my name's Jason. I'm a church leader in Blackburn. And someone who I just want to big up, an unsung hero for me, is one of my volunteer youth workers when I was growing up in a church in North Lancashire. It was a guy called Bob Hardman, and he was just devoted to us as young people. But what really inspired me about Bob was his, his integrity, the fact that he really deeply loved Jesus. He had a clear love of us as his young people and was completely and utterly dedicated to his job even as a volunteer youth worker he made all the difference and and a guy who was a lot of fun as well so i just remember having the best time one reason i'm still a christian is because we just had amazing youth workers volunteer youth workers when i was growing up in church understand it you see oh, it's, it's the thing that like we've got got to grips with other parts of the wonder of the woman <laughs> oh, oh hang on <laughs> we sound like matt walsh <laughs> what have i just oh, said my God. we've got to grips <laughs> with other parts of the wonder of woman <laughs> the woman so not even of the like, woman we're not even like humanizing women we're just kind of categorizing women <laughs> That category is over this, there. Can I redeem this? I don't think you can. In oh. outer space, you can redeem it in outer space. Everything's redeemable out there. They feel like unfinished little figures well, hanging yeah, over you. They like, do. Come on, finish yeah. us. But I can't. I feel all blocked, Ooh. all bunged up, oh. constipated. Oh my goodness. How so how can we as the youth ministry community that listen to podcasts help you with this? Laxatives. Okay. Spiritual, we will be your spiritual, spiritual laxatives. laxatives.